Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Phil Muscatello and Finpods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for beginners. Weekend watch list. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Chris Batchelor, and we're not talking about a single stock today, but about the Stockopedia NAPS Portfolio 2024. G'day, Chris. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Phil, and Happy New Year to all the listeners. Great to be back on the show again this year. So tell us about the NAPS portfolio. What is it? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I guess I should define the acronym. It's Non-Admin Portfolio System. And what it is, it's a portfolio that we set up using a set of rules. So it's effectively a quantitative portfolio, relatively straightforward um, and utilizing the functionality and the power of Stockopedia. The first thing that I just wanted to talk about was about diversification, and because um, I'm quite interested in the way that you've diversified this portfolio. Diversification is always a very important aspect to any portfolio construction. And so what we've done, we've used the 10 sectors, or actually we've used 11 based on one of the quirks of the Australian market, but we then uh, divide the portfolio evenly across those sectors um, choosing two stocks from each. And uh, as I said, we, because this uh, real estate is quite an important component of the Australian market, we take two stocks from real estate. And then to compensate for that, we only take one from telecoms and one from utilities as they're um, less well represented he- here in Australia and New Zealand. It covers New Zealand as well. And I should point out at this point that uh, this is not a tip sheet. It's based on the rules from Stockopedia and uh Tell us about those rules. For those who've looked at Stockopedia in the past, you'll know that Stockopedia, one of its most powerful functions is what's known as the stock rank. And so that's a um, measure that we use to calculate a stock's propensity to follow three different factors, being the quality of a stock, the value, and the momentum. And those factors uh, have been shown over over time to provide uh, good returns And what we do is combine those three into an overall stock rank. And then the way this portfolio has been constructed is to simply take the two highest stock ranks from each of those sectors we discussed a moment ago and just add a couple of screening criteria to that. We want to make sure that the stocks have plenty of liquidity. So we um, screen out any really small stocks that are uh, very thinly traded. And then the other one that we've added in is that we want to make sure that the stock is a growing stock or it's a business that's moving in the right direction. So to to screen for that, we've just added the very simple metric that the forecast revenue growth is positive. So it's as simple as that. It's just the two highest stock ranks from each sector then. That's it. That's right, with those couple of minor qualifications that I added there, yep. This is following on from a previous portfolio. This was started last year as well, wasn't it? 
That's right. So our parent company in the UK have been running this now for nine years and it's proven to be very successful. So we implemented this at the start of 2023 here in Australia and and ran a portfolio for the year. So all we did, we put the stocks in place on the 1st of January last year and let them sit and do what they did for a year. And then at the end of um, the year just gone, we rebalanced that uh, we sell all those stocks, or not all of them actually, um, six of them remained, but we reweight or sell all of the stocks and then buy the new portfolio. So last year, you know, the portfolio did well. That's a qualified well in that it returned 10.2%. That return takes into account dividends and in fact, grossed up dividends. So that's obviously a positive thing. If you get a double digit return, then you're doing pretty nicely. However, when we compare it to the benchmark and we use for a benchmark one of the Vanguard ETFs, the VAS ETF, which tracks the ASX 300, so that, you know a reasonably broad uh, benchmark, that did 11.9%. So obviously, what's that 1.7% better than uh, what our portfolio did? So yeah, we're happy. We're a good, solid, positive return, but of course. The, the benchmark did beat it on this occasion by a small margin. I just was also interested just to find out a little bit more about that new criteria forecast revenue growth that you added um, to picking the stocks this year. Can you just describe that in a little bit more detail, please? Businesses, you know, stocks, they have analysts generate forecasts for them and they look at how much revenue they expect a business to earn in the coming year. And so we're just looking for ones where that revenue will be as good as or better than what they earned for this year or the, you know, the most recent year that for which we have reports. So you're looking for uh, revenue growth. Is that, exactly. Um, that's, yeah. that's what you're looking for? You want a growing company that's um, not only is it doing well up until now, but it's got, they've got prospects. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to screen for because there are occasionally companies that have done really well up until now, but something has happened and the market knows that this company is going to uh, lose revenue. Um, an example that occurred not this year, but about a year or so ago, was Magellan Financial Group. Um, they had shown very good historical results, but everyone knew that they'd lost some of their biggest mandates and that their funds under management had declined considerably. And so, when their next um, report came out, it was going to be lower. Revenue was going to drop. There was no question mark about that. So, uh, this screen would eliminate a company like that. So how many stocks have been removed or replaced? So from last year to this year, so 14 new stocks have come into the portfolio. Um, So yeah, 14 sold and replaced by new stocks and six have been retained. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you picking shares on gut instinct? Buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com slash sfb. 
there's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's why.stockopedia.com slash sfb. Okay, well, let's have a talk. I mean, we haven't got a lot of time to talk about all of the companies involved in um, this portfolio, but the two that stood out for me, uh, KSL and SGLLV, that's Rice Growers and Kena Securities, from memory? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So let's start off with uh, KSL. I think this is a really interesting company because um, I've heard it described as the Macquarie of Papua New Guinea. Yes, that's probably a bit of a generous description, but yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, Kuna Securities is a Papua New Guinea-based business and they are a financial services business. Uh, they have been around for quite a, some time. Uh, they're a very small company and they're listed on the ASX, but of course based in Port Moresby. Now, also important just to remember when you're looking at their accounts that they do present their accounts in Papua New Guinea and Kuna. Generally, they're not on the radar of institutional investors due to their small size and lack of liquidity, but they do offer the full suite of banking services, both commercial and retail, as well as wealth management and stockbroking services. So I guess that's where the um, similarity to Macquarie comes in, in that they really do have a good uh, wide range of services. And uh, they pay a pretty good dividend as well, don't they? Indeed, they do. The dividend yield currently, based on the most recent results, is 12.4%. So that's obviously a, a really good dividend. And that's what's contributing to a very high value score for the business. And I guess that leads into an important point, And that is that this company always trades at a bit of a discounted valuation. Because of the um, points that I mentioned, people get nervous about investing in Papua New Guinea. There's perception of political risk around that, um, the fact that it's a small company um, and that fact that there's lower liquidity in the stock. The compensation is that you get uh, quite good value at returns and, and in particular here with the dividend, you know, that's a really solid uh, dividend yield. So part of the criteria for this portfolio, of course, is the view that uh, revenue will be increasing in the future. Is this the case with Kina? Analysts are forecasting growth in sales, revenue growth, of 15% for the coming year. Now, when I say the coming year, I just should qualify. That's for FY23, and this company, their financial year is a 31st of December financial year. So whilst I'm calling that a forecast, technically we've passed the end of 31 December, but of course we don't yet know the results. They'll come out probably sometime during February. Um, so it's sort of technically a, a forecast, even though it's already passed. So yeah, forecasting 15% for that year and then 23% for the coming year. Uh, and they've also had really strong revenue growth in the past five years. In fact, the compound annual growth rate of 24%. So there's a real... Um, strong momentum in terms of their their revenue profile. Wow, that's a bit of cager than um, Macquarie. <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes the small businesses you know, have a lot of opportunity. They're, they're known as a challenger brand. So that even in the Papua New Guinea market, they're a smaller operator. The 
biggest operator there is a firm called BSP Financial, and they've got about 65% of the P&G market share. They're also listed on the ASX, incidentally. Okay, let's move on to rice growers. Now, this one's a really interesting company because we all know about Sunrice when we um, go to the supermarket. But in this case, it's a much bigger company than that, isn't it? Because they're dealing with um, rice from around the world. But also the point is is that um, there's two classes of shares. Can you explain about rice growers and how they operate? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. In fact, I went to my pantry last night and just rummaged through and sure enough, a lot of the rice was rice, rice, sun rice, sorry. Uh, Yeah. So the way they operate, as you mentioned, they're a global FMCG, fast moving consumer goods business. And they're focused, of course, on rice and rice related products. So they do some of, you know, the rice cakes and food for animals, uh, a few other things around rice. But they were formed out of a growers cooperative down in the Riverina district, rice farmers coming together. And that's how the dual structure has originated. So what that means is they've got two classes of shares, class A and class B. Now, class A shares can only be held by active rice growers. So they are the people in, in the Riverina area who um, grow rice and sell it into this company. And the big difference here is they have voting rights, but they have no rights to dividends. Now, class B shares, they're traded on the ASX and, and anybody can own those shares. Those shares are entitled to receive dividends, but they don't have voting rights. So that's a key distinction there. The other key distinction is that the any individual shareholder in the Class B shares is limited to 10% of the total Class B shares. That means that the growers basically retain control of this business. And does that have an effect on liquidity? Uh, not so much liquidity in that the Class B shares are, are free trading and, and the Class A shares are never going to trade. But what it does have effect on is valuation because you know with this business there's never going to be a takeover offer, right? So that particular potential element of earning an outsized return is eliminated because no one could take this business over. It is controlled by the growers and any Class B shareholder can never get above 10% of, of the holdings. Um, so what I was just going to um, elaborate on a little bit is this, as you alluded to, they are now very much an international business. So they source 59% of their revenue internationally, and that includes exporting Australian rice to a, a wide range of countries, particularly the Middle East and the South Pacific, but also the US and other places, but also importing rice. So they source rice from all around the world. Papua New Guinea is a big place, but also other parts of the world, and then sell it wherever it's in demand, right? So they're effectively a rice trader. Are these two companies um, replacement stocks? Are these ones replacing any of the previous um, years or have they been there for 2023? No, that's right. They're both new to the portfolio, both of these companies. So how would you advise listeners to have a look at um, the NAPS portfolio and how to, how to approach it, I guess, without uh, considering it a tip sheet? I think what it does is it just gives you a good benchmark to to look at in terms of, okay, w- one, it makes good sense to diversify your portfolio. Whatever stocks you're looking to invest in, you don't want to be too concentrated in any particular area because industry-wide events can happen and you can be impacted negatively by those. So diversification is always 
a good strategy and you'll hear that from just about any financial planner you, you talk to. The other thing to bear in mind then is, okay, so you, you're looking to spread your investments across various sectors. Well, these stocks are good ones to compare whatever stock you're considering against because obviously we've chosen them or the system has chosen them for a reason. They rank highly on these quantitative factors. And so uh, if you're considering you know, an alternative business, well, how does it measure up? Why do you prefer that business? You may, for example, you may prefer Macquarie over Keener Securities and your reasoning might be that it's a much bigger business. You can uh, borrow funds against it and so forth. That's quite legitimate. But at least you know where you're starting from and what you're considering, you know, why, what are your drivers for choosing that business? Okay, well, this portfolio, if listeners want to have a look at it, is behind um, the Stockopedia paywall, but there's a 14-day free trial. And if you take up that free trial, you can have a look at that. Is that, That's the case? Indeed, yeah. And we would encourage you to do that. Um, it's a no-obligation free trial. We do ask for a credit card, but we, you, uh, you won't be charged, assuming you cancel within the 14 days. And yeah, by all means, have a good look at this portfolio, understand how it's been put together. And of course, you can look throughout all of the rest of the system as well. So there's a, a lot to learn. And it's a good time if you've got a bit of downtime during January to, to get in there and have a bit of a play around and think about your investments for the upcoming year. Yeah, and think about how Stockopedia does have a look at uh, the value of companies and how they're they're assessed on a very much a quantitative basis. Yes, that's exactly correct. Chris Batchelor, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Phil. It was great to be with you again, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.